0: <laughs> Fourth episode for April, getting across the line at the very last minute. This episode features the lowest quotient of material that I originally envisioned Ice coffee comprising when I first thought of starting the series, other than Fingerwolf and that one about pop culture and... Well, anyway, that doesn't prevent this being an episode I'm very excited about, because it's full of good memories and interesting people saying interesting things, and it ends with soundscapes I love listening to as I fall asleep. If you want to fall asleep to them, but don't want my interrupting introductions between the soundscapes, get in touch and I'll see you right with a link to a folder on a drive, on a server, on a machine, on a landmass, somewhere in which the individual MP3s reside. No actual clouds involved, though I hear they're touring later this year. The interviewees in this episode all get a name check at the start of our discussions, but I didn't catch or mention Michael Powell's surname at the time, so I mention it now. Look him up on the Antarctic Heritage Trust website see a pricey of an amazing Antarctic career. I'll let the interviews roll into each other as I'm concerned about squeaking this episode in under my storage limit. I'll also get my greeting off early this episode as I say hi to Kirsty and Warren who've provided me with good literature and company in perfectly cromulent surroundings for the better part of the last decade.
1: Hello. Matt. Matt. Michael. Oh, okay. Okay, nice Nice to meet you. Yeah, You were over at Damway this morning, eh? I was. In the hut? Yes. Um, excellent. Uh, much snow around there?
0: You could get to the doors without clearing anything away. Yeah. There was perhaps a metre and a half around the hut, but the has right kept, yeah, kept it
1: clear. Yeah, the wind scoop like, yeah. And underneath, is there much? No, it's clear. None. Oh, you could crawl underneath, no problem. Oh, fantastic. And um, so I'm going to quiz you here. So did you land in Dorian Bay? We did. You actually? Okay, and so it's a nice little path then from, from the landing site to the hut now. Some steps. Right. Oh, great, brilliant. That's because um, uh, yeah, we were hoping to get there, but it's just not worth us taking the hassle.
0: It was a wild ride back. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. We got other opportunities, so so yeah.
0: Am I correct that you worked at Demoy?
1: In the day. Yeah, Yeah. I spent. there uh, Yeah. For mm-hmm. a number of. Uh, I can't remember it did. the year the wall came down so i was there for about three four weeks um working for british antarctic survey yeah yeah it was neat a glorious spot yeah,
0: yeah. oh yeah I was, I was just thinking of having the porridge looking out at that, that yeah landscape on a good day that would on be on a good day that yeah. would be a prime spot yeah.
1: yeah looking over that's right anvers and the big bay borden bay yeah you know it's superb
0: and they were operating the twin otters on skis correct as the staging
1: yep. down to so, Yep you got it so the ship either bransfield or bisco then would drop maybe i was there with it must have been 30 to 35 people so we had the pyramid tent set up as well around and then you know as people the priority came they would chucked on the twin Otter. so the job that i had was getting them up to the skiway and re, um passing weather and then you know and then we just sit out a storm and wait for wait for the next good day yeah.
0: and it was all skidoo based or did you have dogs there at
2: some point
1: no it's all skidoo you know um, we had uh, two skidoo's and we used to keep them in the RG what they used to call the RG crapper because that, that's where we put the toilet as well so it's up and like, it's the RG refuge so it's, you know it's <laughs> don't tell Santi. <laughs> right no <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so we used to keep um, skidoo's there was drums of fuel some food so when the ends when the when Damoy was closed, it was just left there back in the day, and then the next year you come, pull out the skidoos get the food, put the toilet in there, and off you go again. So people yeah. were
0: asking me where the where the toilet had been, and I couldn't answer. Right. <laughs> so now I know. Yeah, yeah, you could, Yeah. And people were asking how the place was powered, but there were no light fittings. It wasn't electric. No,
1: we d- we didn't have power. The we had. Um, uh, it was tilly lamp and primer stove and then there was a, a quite a as i would call it like a two ring stove there as well but it was mainly primus and tillies you know
0: what was running the the hot water or the, the snow melter?
1: right now then we never use that oh, okay. i think um looking at it uh, we had these paraffin heaters actually there was a number maybe three or four Heaters. So we took the the tube off them. That's what it happened. We took the tube off and we'd heat it with a paraffin heater, but it was, they were super, super dangerous because of the carbon monoxide on them. Yeah, they were, they were, they were awful, but yeah. that's how we, we, we melted the water. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now.
0: And you've been coming back with heritage trust or you're um, still part of Bass?
1: No, I've been with the trust for, for about 10 years now But I worked I worked primarily with Bass and always always at Rotherham. I did about four winters and, and summers there. So I went from Bass, and then I worked from Kiwis on the other side of the historic huts for one season, and then I got a job with the Americans at the Poles, so I did the season. So I spread around, Yeah, so I've been quite fortunate. Well travel the Antarctic. It's, it's, it's l- I'm lucky, you know. It's, with Bass, once you got your foot in the door, you were in unless you yes you, know, so you really messed up and then you know kind of like pushed that and one thing leads to another in the community kind of yeah yeah no it's good it was good now oh that's great news that there's no um, um no snow under the hat because we need to just do a bit of a building condition survey of it all so i took
0: some photographs for solemn to pass on to you okay and all i can see that warranted comment was that the shelf to the right of the steps at the main door
1: Uh have some
0: cracked cracked planks and the brushes that people are doing their boots on are worn down to the nub on one and losing bristles on the other. Oh brilliant
1: so if we got one in the shed we should take it with us. Uh, I reckon it's time for replacement. Oh that's excellent that's really good good info because we can do that if we haven't got one we'll make one. Brilliant and then we can get rid of those. Inside inside in the bank room was there any rolls of felt? Did you notice four rolls stood up? There were four
0: rolls stood up.
1: Behind the door? Yeah. They're still there? Yeah. Okay, we can get rid of them. Yeah. Right. Excellent. Excellent. Good info. Oh, I'm glad now, I can do your reconnaissance work. No, you. no. <laughs> and also, I like, carry um, penguins around, no penguins around the hut? There
0: was some guano on the steps. Ah. And a bit on that shelf. Right. They're, they were well clear by the time we got there.
1: Right. Because maybe four seasons ago, one nested um right under one of the columns which was i've never seen before clearly on its own it wasn't going to survive the, the skewers you know so but it, it had built a nest um it had an egg um and then i'm not sure what happened to it but it, yeah the skewers were going to get that no, so, so no side of that, right. i wasn't looking Super. for, no, no. for, a, for but, nest, but, but you would have seen a penguin if it was there of course yeah so. The
0: the R G hut is looking well shabby. It's lost a window. It's doors pushed in. The roof's starting. To
1: okay. Yeah. The same. Right. Because it would be nice also to help just look after that. If we can, if we can block the window, maybe do something on the roof would be. That's good info as well. Because yeah, rather than have it all disintegrate around us. Yeah. Which is more than likely. Yeah. Oh, great. We'll see what we can do. Did your time at Rothera
0: happen to overlap
1: with that of Phil Wickens? Um, no. I know Phil Wickens very well from um, post-Rothera. I'm seen him here and on the yachts and all his climbing. But, he um, does get around, doesn't he? He gets around. <laughs> he sure does. Yeah. He climbs some um, some nice peaks and gets in some nice, unique places. I'm, I'm quite envious of Phil, to be honest. But yeah. Oh. Yeah.
0: There's not much... I can hold the candle to him. It's like, well, he's got all that experience but I've been di- Oh, he's been diving too. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I can talk about the history. Well, he does the history well yeah. too. It? Yeah. He's just, and he's very generous with his time and energy. I find he's he, just. He super is, isn't he? I mean,
1: and he's he's really observant as well. For us, he goes to the house and he always comes back with information. This this window might be broken, or the shutter is starting to delaminate, or the door's open. He's he's really resourceful. I think. I've a lot of time for Phil. Yeah, good guy.
0: I shared a cabin with him on this equivalent voyage last year, and I've just recorded myself snoring, and I, I owe that man such an apology. <laughs> <laughs> he was so stoic. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, you know he's great. I, I, to be honest, I haven't seen him for two seasons, so I'm not sure where he's at. Or oh, what he's he'll, up he'll to. be down this year. Okay. I
0: just don't know which ship or what time. <laughs> yes. I just know that I've not got any, any right. overlap with him.
1: Ah, that is good. That's good. Right. Lovely nice to meet you. To Michael. Meet you yeah, take you have care. a
0: good one. Yeah. Jeff Cooper. Matt McCullough very pleased to meet you nice to meet you and you're part of the yeah. New Zealand Antarctic I work for the Current New Zealand
3: Trust. Antarctic Heritage Trust but I'm also the project manager for the UK Antarctic Heritage
0: Trust conservation team so hence your presence at, Brans- presence at Bransfield House yes for yep. um, what is the goal of next summer's con- conservation projects at Cape Cape right, because
3: there's two, two huts at Cape Adare that are Bolsheviks. there's the living hut and then the store's hut, which they removed the roof trusses from before they, they departed. So the idea is to put the roof trusses back on to that building and make it weathertight next season. So then you can then use that to remove things from the building hut, the living hut, into the store's hut and then do the conservation work on that. So it's probably, probably going to be a three-year type of programme to do all the conservation work there. So The field camp we put in over the last couple of years, so the field camp's pretty much there we're gonna be living in dog boxes which are sort of like wooden plywood tents because canvas soft-shell buildings just don't survive okay there the weather's too harsh and then we've got a number of big I think 30,000 liter water tanks which are going to be our sort of living space and workshop and we're going to work out of those so that's the plan
0: and how long will you be on site each season
3: probably somewhere between 30 and 40 days
0: that's a that's pretty tight window. Yeah, so a lot, lot on your plate. A lot to do. do. <laughs> and I recall Campbell's team, as part of Scott's... Mm-hmm. The yeah. They were using Worsh Grimmings' huts, and they'd actually put canvas over the roof of that. Yes, they, they used that. I yeah. think they used to, it was a
3: gymnasium at one point. They used to do various sports, they used to do boxing and all <laughs> sorts of things. An and I believe they did some fencing there as well, with homemade... Sports equipment, so that's right. Yeah, could be
0: quite entertaining to find. The stove in the hut also very nearly killed Priestley, Mm. he nearly died of carbon monoxide poisoning at some
3: point. Yeah, no, we'll be be looking at the conservation on that. I think it's in a a fairly poor state. That one, so yes, they did use the buildings, but they also built their own hut. But I think their hut, well, clearly because it's collapsed on it in on itself, wasn't as robust. Huts. and so I think when the weather was bad it used to vibrate so much that everything fell off the shelves <laughs> so I think it was sort of doomed from day one in many ways
0: still a, a happier winter than what came after that but they're, they're mm, really yeah, a, they must have thought it was luxury <laughs> <laughs> look back on it fondly
3: and en- enjoy your visit to Bransfield House a, I assume, yeah. a special place you're in the, the park from the 1944s so this is part of the original buildings of the suite there was a building that they lived in the jointment here but that got taken away to become wordy house when that got swept away so this extension was built in the
0: 50s oh, i've been trying to piece that story together because i knew that mm. wordy house had had trouble with the glacier yeah. it away but it's still there so yeah
3: it went so yeah. they came back to here and took
0: that part of the building yeah. off
3: and took that to become wordy house So the floor stayed. I think they called that the dance floor because it was like a massive deck. So they just took the building away. And then in the 50s when they extended it into the lounge and then round to create the iron room they then moved. This was originally the science room in this part of the building. So it's a science bench. There's lots of famous photos of them leaning out of that window and looking out of there. So yes, it's changed quite a bit but this is the, the original Bolton and Paul, apart from 1944, the original part of the Brownsford House, which extends into the kitchen through here. And then the back range is 44, and some of the corridor where the, the base office is, and the bathroom, that's all 44, up to where the door that's no longer on, but the threshold is, that's 44. And then the rest was added on
0: in a different periods. It's been a very entertaining morning at Damoy Point out of the weather. Interpreting the hut there for people, and that was my—that was also my first visit. Right.
3: And uh, we were hoping to go this afternoon, but we decided it was borderline weather to, to go this afternoon. And we—we've got other opportunities, so we decided it was a more sensible, prudent decision to I think you hold fire it.
0: today. I think you picked the winner given our, our ride home. But I'm um, mm. curious how much curation has gone on in that hut, or did they just close the door and say that that's a museum now?
2: It,
3: Not completely sure. Michael, who's part of the team, he actually worked and lived out of Demoy hut when it was still operational, so he's probably got a a better angle on that. I believe it was closed and and just left, as was. The level of exploitation of the hut, I don't know. I've not been to Demoy yet, so Um,
0: it'll be interesting to to go and see. One of the most common comments I had this morning was... um people noticing the very large volumes of custard powder, which seems to be a, a theme between Damoy right. and Base W and mm. other, other places that I've visited that the British Antarctic <laughs> said was were. So, and I'm wondering were they right into their custard powder or was it just the stuff that was left last that now becomes...
3: I'd imagine they'd have been into it <laughs> myself. Sweet, but you do crave sweet things in the cold and so it's a nice easy sweet thing to, to make, I'd have thought. Yeah, custard powder would be part of the staple
0: diet. We have <laughs> Well, thanks again for your time. I'll let you go um, oh, on. My pleasure. The post office at
4: Bransfield House at Port Lockroy speaking to Kirsty. Uh, sorry, your surname? Kirsty Dick. Um, who is spending her
0: summer on site as part of the conservation team and the shop manager for the UK Antarctic Heritage Trust.
4: What path does a person take to get that position? Um, Not necessarily a path that you would expect. Mine is a little circuitous. Um, I graduated last year from the University of Edinburgh Um, in classical and Middle Eastern history. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't have to have the most logical... uh, Qualifications, But it's a simple application post. Um, you apply in February and uh, are called forward to a final 12. So last year 350 people applied and uh, then you have a two day selection uh, for the 12 people. And this year, because we had a returning member, we are we choosing three people. best so, team of four. Thank uh, Yes. Yeah. So it's a it's a written application and then a two day in the in the flesh selection period.
0: And is coming here for you a fulfillment of a long term ambition or a spur of the moment? Oh put for that?
4: It's not a spare of the moment thing. I applied in my final year at university but I, and got through to the final 12, but I couldn't go to selection because it was the same two days as my finals. So it was four years of degree or potentially going to work in Antarctica. And I have to say that was actually a really tough choice. <laughs> but then I, I, kept, I uh, postponed and reapplied this year. So it's, it's been two years in the coming.
0: And you've been on site... Nine days so yep. far. How long will you be here? All up?
4: Um, we're dependent until the beginning of March, so it's a four-month post.
0: And arriving and departing by ship? Yep.
4: So we hitchhike on very, very generous cruise ships. Just like that. Yeah. Let's oh, no. have
0: a <laughs> The facilities at
4: Lockroy in its heyday <laughs> were fairly primitive. I got <laughs> yes. Thank you.
0: What's your accommodation like in the Monni It's
4: very cosy. Yeah. So we live in a Nissen hut. Oh, the so it's, uh, my best way to describe it to people that haven't been here was that it's like a permanent polytunnel in look. So it's got that domed, so it's a metal frame with wood, wood cladding um, and it's uh, full of Ikea furniture. <laughs> so it's cozy
0: And how's it heated?
4: Uh, we have a gas stove But basically it's just incredibly well insulated And our oh, Us being in there keeps it cozy There's yeah. eight of us at the moment yeah. So it's very warm um, But yeah So we have a bunk room A lounge, kitchen area And a boot room And a very basic toilet A tea
2: towel And
0: when You're not hosting I multitudes, yes, yes, yes. as we currently are, yeah. um, mm-hmm.
2: what sort of diversions and entertainments
0: do you have, or is it all work?
4: Um, there is a lot to do in the day, daily life takes a long time, you know, water comes from general and everything has to be sort of shifted lifted. Do you have a geocache? Yes! Uh, with that, as in something with our coordinates on. I'm sorry Oh, a Geoca- no. I
5: just realized what you
2: said,
4: and no, I don't think we do. Well, it says
2: there is. Oh,
1: really? Yeah. Sorry? Can you give me a better
4: description of... Do you know what a geocache is? It's one of those little... hidden.
1: Yeah. And it has a log in it that you sign in that you've been there. I don't think we
4: do. I don't think we have, no. one. Because it would be pretty, we, would, we couldn't leave anything in the nature of the penguins either. So you wouldn't leave anything mm-hmm. here to fly yeah. around. I'm not aware of one. I will ask Hannah, who was here last year. I'm not in yeah. fact, yeah. Uh, Hannah is the lady outside.
1: Well, that is sure strange because they definitely say don't even look for it. Just go ask in the post office where it is.
4: Mm-hmm. We have been here only 10 days, though, so yeah. it might mm-hmm. be that of oh. we just <laughs> haven't heard about it. i you Hannah Kirsty? I shall ask our expert. <laughs> 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 I
2: know She might be <laughs> on the shipping already.
4: Yeah, she <laughs> just left. the <laughs> well, uh, Michael might know, actually. Try Michael. Well, Michael's been here for years and years. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> if somebody does, see you us. Know.
1: This is what they have, it's a little travel bug. Oh my,
4: I definitely haven't seen anything like this. No, me neither. I'm not aware of anyone here.
1: But there is someone else who's been here longer, you say they might know? Yeah,
4: yeah. And she just went back to the ship to take a shower.
1: Oh, I think he just came back in with Oh, no, mad. yeah. Oh, no,
4: that the, the uh, guy, the French guy, he's also here first time. That I doubt he
1: knows either. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I'll I
4: will try and find out for you then.
1: All right.
2: I appreciate also,
4: that. one might be your expedition leader because he's been coming here for a yeah, long that's time. True. So, so on, might But no. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. I don't know yet, it's only nine days in, <laughs> yeah I don't know, it's Thank yes you. it would be amazing but also it's a it's quite a hard it's a hard way to live, yep. so I don't know. They do ask you halfway through the season, though, so you have to just actually like, make your mind about that journey time. Mm-hmm. That's the time of the season when yeah. you're most tired. Yeah, exactly. Track. When you're kind of you know. yeah,
0: and it's four months is an unusual period of time to be taking out from other aspects exactly. of your life. So,
4: like we found out in May that we were coming, so you had to fill that time until November. So it's it's it's, it's quite not awkward but it's tricky to kind of juggle but I think once yeah again it's four months it's only only four months so it'll be interesting to see what we will do
0: it's too early for any sort of signs of series, Toastiness as well. Of what?
4: Toastiness. toastiness. Toastiness?
0: Toastiness, uh, toastiness is uh, cabin fever ah. in Antarctica.
4: Yeah, we... <laughs> so far, so
0: good. I'm speaking to Ronnie Harkness on the Ocean Adventurer in Ushuaia. We have just returned from a spectacular trip to the Antarctic Peninsula. But you're here following... Uh, a familial thread. You've been chasing up your ancestral history specifically Bartholomew Sullivan.
5: James Sullivan. Sorry.
0: James Bartholomew Barthol- No, Bartholomew James. Bartholomew James Sullivan. Su- with one L. One L. Sullivan. Who sailed aboard the Beagle under Captain Fitzroy as second mate? During
5: Second Lieutenant, I guess that's the same thing. Dunno.
0: He, he was listed as second mate. Yeah. Okay. And during that eponymous voyage of Charles Darwin's big think, what happened to him after the Beagle?
5: He carried on in the navy um, for a while. In those days, you didn't have a a job forever in the navy. If you didn't have a ship, you weren't paid. So he carried on and was involved in a number of um, altercations, the Siege of Montevideo, the Paraná campaign between Paraguay and moving up the Paraná to try and get trade links open. And that happened in the winter, in the summers of those years, and this was around about 1840, I think. Um, He went to the Falklands to survey the Falklands because he'd been a surveyor on the Beagle and he was a natural surveyor. So he made the charts of the Falklands that were used even up until the 1980s.
0: This was in between
5: battles? In between battles. It, it, yes, I haven't quite worked out the uh, quite worked out the chronology, but yes, he was involved in the Siege of Montevideo, and at the same time in the summer he would go across the Falklands. He'd ship his wife and children across for this. He, it, it, if you think about the, the logistics of getting your wife and children from England to Buenos Aires, to Montevideo, to wherever, they went through quite a lot, I think, together. So it was the summers that he was in the Falklands. After that, he didn't, wasn't given another ship for a bit, so he asked for leave of absence from the Navy and they gave him three years leave of absence so on a Monday morning he said to his wife we're going to the Falklands can you make it by Thursday? <laughs> and she said no oh dear give me until next Monday Oh, geez. <laughs> so she had a week to get her three children herself a governess, a servant on board ship they, they uh, he'd rented a ship or, or something I, I don't quite understand how, how it happened and off they went to the Falklands and he farmed for three years I've pulled off some nonsense in my marriage but never
0: <laughs> we're moving to the Falklands can, be, can you be ready by Thursday let alone gotten there. oh can't still Monday. day that's astonishing and three years farming
5: three years farming he apparently uh, now this is only what I've read Um, obviously. Um, He took out some better horses and improved the stock. There were already horses or ponies on the island, so he improved the stock of those. He improved the stock of cattle. Didn't read anything about sheep, because that's all you read about on the Falklands, so I don't quite know what happened to the horses and the cattle, but he didn't seem to do too much to the sheep. And he farmed on the Falklands for three years, and then returned to a job in the Navy.
0: And his wife I mentioned being... Supremely so happy <laughs> about her attempt.
5: <laughs> I think, and they they, they had another child, at least one more child born on the Falklands, who they named <coughs> James Falkland Sullivan, so he has carried the name through. And, the
0: surveying that he did,
5: on the behalf of the Navy, that
0: was aboard the mm-hmm. Philomel.
5: Philomel, that's right. Yes, and and the Philomel was the ship he commanded in, the Plate and the Paranar and. Montefiore, he was in the Philomel for some time, yes.
0: And the survey work aboard the Beagle. The Beagle is of a a class of ship called the they were coffin ships. I yeah, think. yeah, they, they weren't yeah. popular with their crews because they were no, over, over, overbalanced right. when the when the seas were over over the bulwarks. Yeah they was they were very well suited to surveying for some reason.
5: It seemed to be, I, I guess they might have had flat bottoms or something or you could launch boats, because a lot of the surveying was done from small boats, from rowing boats and little sailboats that were launched from the Beagle so I guess the Beagle was suited to that kind of thing and she could anchor in fairly shallow water
0: The Chanticleer is another of that class, that <laughs> would have been in the place of the Beagle, but for the fact that it was a bit ratty at the time yeah. and it came south under some explorer whose name currently <laughs> I, <laughs> I need to remember. listen to that podcast Ice Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've lost my thread
5: Chanticleer, <laughs> uh, the the, the, that's um, right.
0: I have no idea where I was going to take that no you told me an interesting story about the first governess that they tried to bring to the Falklands
5: <laughs> yes she clearly didn't want to teach the children the piano so they imported, oh, it, it, this was within the week's notice of course, a grand piano was taken aboard, well no, it probably was upright, but. and the first thing the governess wanted to do was to tune the piano, and she promptly broke six strings, because she clearly didn't want to tune the piano, she didn't want to teach the children, so she was sacked very quickly, and sent back to England. The servant, word had reached the Falkland Islanders, who of course were mostly male. Um, word had reached them that there was a servant coming out a servant girl coming out so they got very excited one man in particular who was uh, of some years got very excited and lined up at the gangway and the first person he met he assumed to be the servant but actually he'd got Mrs. Sullivan and was given short (laughs) shrift however the servant was quite quickly snapped up so Mrs. Sullivan was left looking after her then three children with no governess and no servant. And in those days that was mm, quite tough. And we part ways
0: in the morning. I go back to Antarctica and you are heading to the Falklands.
5: I'm heading to Chile first to do a trek and then I'm going to the Falklands for a week and I shall be treading through all the places that are named after him or have some memory of him there. The f- chief, chief executive's house in Stanley is Sullivan House, and there's a Sullivan Mountain and a Sullivan Lake on West Falkland. I suspect that's where they farmed, but I'm looking forward to finding that out.
0: I look forward to hearing from you what you find out <laughs> and about your experiences while you're there. Thank you so much for your time.
5: Not at all. You're most welcome.
0: Finally, Because I made April my half yearly deluxe hosting month, there's a bit of space left and I'm going to fill that with wildlife soundscapes from the Falkland Islands and South Georgia. First off, the black-browed albatross colony at West Point in the Falklands. (laughs)
2: uh <laughs> uh
1: Oh! Okay.
0: Next up, male elephant seals at Gold Harbour. Now the King Penguins at Gold Harbour. This sequence ends with a skewer investigating the day bag that I was using to keep the rain off my recorder. This one's my favorite. Fur seals and elephant seal wieners at Godthul. This one had me laughing myself silly, trying to stay quiet and not end up on the recording. Giant southern petrels, fighting over an elephant seal carcass, a great thickened. Take care and appreciate your coffee.